The Darkhives are a collection of the paranormal, the occult, the unusual, and the strange tales from all around this world and others. This podcast contains mature themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dark Eyes podcast. This is file number five. I'm your host, Colton, and if you want to be looking over your shoulder for the rest of the night, then you came to the right place. Today, we will be discussing the alien abduction. The story of Barney and Betty Hill has completely established the general ideas of what we have alien abductions to look like. Many of the themes we understand from UFO and alien encounters come from this case. When I first heard about this story, my jaw was on the floor. There are so many different people involved, and their story seems pretty straightforward, and it sounds exactly like what would happen if you got abducted. And you have to remember, like, this is the first alien abduction case in America. They had no prior knowledge of what people would think that aliens are doing, because they were the first. It's a super compelling story. But first, I'd like to give a little quick UFO history lesson, or a little ufology, if you will. Yes, that is a real word. But before we creep up on the topic of this episode, I would ask that you reach out to me on social media. You can find The Dark Ives on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok with username at thedarkivescast. And you can also check out thedarkives.com where my episodes will also be posted. I have also placed timestamps for each section of this episode in the show description. The history of UFOs and alien sightings are older than Jesus. Ancient Egyptians reported fiery disks darting around in the sky. Ancient Romans reported phantom ships gleaming in the sky. And not to mention how many ancient religions having stories of encounters with their gods that line up a lot with what we would accredit an alien abduction or alien interaction. The Anunnaki are of course always brought up with this topic. The Anunnaki are a pantheon of gods worshipped in ancient Mesopotamia. They have often been described as advanced alien beings coming to earth to mine for minerals and have been accredited, hypothetically, with genetically engineering the Homo sapien species. Many people also believe that the Bible and other ancient texts are full of alien interactions, and some people have theorized that Jesus himself might have been a human-alien hybrid. The first report of a UFO encounter in America goes back as far as the Puritans in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. The governor of the colony, James Winthrop, in 1639, recounted an event in his diary that has shaken a few of his people. Three of his men had been rowing a boat in the muddy river when they saw a strange, large light in the night sky. The object reportedly ran as swift as an arrow, flying back and forth between them and the nearby town for two to three hours. The men then experienced a period of lost time, and afterwards found themselves one mile upstream with no recollection of how they managed to get there, and the light had disappeared. Interest in UFOs would later skyrocket in the United States after the alleged incident in Roswell, New Mexico. Now, I will cover Roswell in detail eventually, but for now, all you need to know is that supposedly a wrecked UFO was found in the town of Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. 
This blew up and really impacted pop culture at the time, which helped fuel a lot of sci-fi movies that would come out in the 50s. This shift in popularity of sci-fi was evident everywhere in entertainment. As someone who was a big fan of comic books and superheroes, this is around the time of the turning point in comics, where it moved from magical and mystical explanations for characters and their powers, to more science fiction-like explanations for these. One example here is the first Green Lantern in the comics, Alan Scott, was originally powered by a magical force. Then, later in the 50s, the more popular Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, was famously a member of the Green Lantern Corps, who were basically space cops. Movies in the early 1950s, such as Day the Earth Stood Still and The Thing from Another World, were just the beginning of the sci-fi movement. So without Roswell, American entertainment would look a lot different than it does today. What we believe about alien abductions, the gray aliens, and anal probing, among other notions, comes straight from the Hill case and what happened on that moonlit night in the state of New Hampshire. Barney and Betty Hill were a married couple living in Portsmouth, New Hampshire at the time of the incident. Barney, born in 1922 in Virginia, was a retired World War II vet working for the United States Postal Service. Betty Hill was born in 1919 in Newton, New Hampshire, and was a social worker who received her degree from the University of New Hampshire. They were also an interracial couple. Barney Hill was black and Betty was white. This was obviously uncommon for the 60s, of course, and despite the racism at the time, they were a well-respected couple. Barney and Betty were both active in their community, and they both served as members of the NAACP, and Barney sat on the board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He would later even be invited to the inauguration of Lyndon B. Johnson in 1965, four years after their encounter. On the night of September 19, 1961, after taking a belated honeymoon to Montreal and Niagara Falls, the Hills were making their way back home. They were driving along Route 3 near Indian Head, New Hampshire. At approximately 10.30 p.m., Betty began to notice a strange light moving in the sky just below the moon and the planet Jupiter that was visible that night. She believed it to be a falling star, except that it was strangely moving upwards. She pulled out their binoculars, which is exactly the type of thing someone would have in their car in the 60s, and observed an odd-shaped aircraft flashing multicolored lights. Betty's sister Janet had claimed to have seen a UFO a few years prior, so Betty was sure that's what she was looking at. Barney initially believed it to be a commercial airliner, but changed his mind after seeing the object quickly descend towards them. He said, This object that was a plane was not a plane. Betty estimated the aircraft was roughly 60 foot long and in the shape of a flat pancake-like structure, with windows all along the rim of the flying vehicle. When the UFO descended even closer to their 57 Chevy, they stopped their car in the middle of the highway. The UFO floated in midair in front of their car at about 80 to 100 feet off the ground. It was so large, it was said to have taken up nearly the entire view of their windshield. Barney got out of the car and with his binoculars saw up to 11 humanoid figures staring back at him through the windows. I guess they did not have a tent option in space. Oddly enough, Barney received a non-verbal message from one of the beings, communicating with him to stay where they are and to keep looking at the craft. Telepathic communication is vital to this story and common in many cases like this. 
Both of the Hills recounted that none of the aliens ever opened their mouths to speak during any part of their experience. The craft then opened up bat-like wings on either side, which reminds me of butterfly doors on a car, and a long structure opened up on the bottom of the UFO. The aircraft then moved even closer to the couple, and that is when Barney began to lose his shit. He yelled to Betty that they were about to be captured, and they began to drive as fast as they could from the area. Betty was searching for the UFO in the sky when a series of rhythmic beeping sounds began to be heard. The vibrations from the frequency was felt even in their bodies, and caused them to enter a state of altered consciousness, like a drowsy high, and then the two passed out. When they came to, two hours had passed and they had somehow traveled 35 miles south of where they were before, with no recollection of how they got there. On their way home after the events, they shortly saw a mysterious glowing orb at the end of a road they had made a sharp turn onto, but continued on in their confused state. When the Hills arrived home around daybreak the next morning, something felt off. They had no memory of a large portion of their night. Their clothes were disheveled, dirty, and torn up when they had been in fine condition before. Barney's nicest dress shoes were scuffed on the top of the toes as if he had been dragged along the ground. And, to top it all, there was just a sense that something awful had happened to them the night before, but with no idea of what it might have been. Spooky stuff. Betty even felt inclined to make sure to keep their luggage outside for a few days, believing it to be contaminated by something, but she didn't know why she thought that. Later, she would find a mysterious pink powder on her dress that she couldn't explain. Five different laboratories would go on to test the powder, although no one ever found out what it was or what its purpose was, but it was determined it had been manufactured with inorganic materials. Her dress also showed signs of high exposure to UV radiation. Barney couldn't shake the feeling that he had been sexually violated, and he examined his genitals due to a pain he had. He claimed to have found nothing interesting, though. However, he still felt like something had happened to him there. There were strange circles on the trunk of their car that wasn't there before, and when Betty talked to her sister, who had claimed to have seen a UFO before, she suggested that they take a compass to the car. They were shocked to discover that the closer they got to the car with the compass, the more chaotically it would spin, and when they would back away, it would stop. And not only did both of their watches stop working forever, all of the clocks in their home stopped working that night as well. They tried to piece together what might have happened to them that night, to no avail. They only remembered up until they heard the beeping noises. Betty went on to phone in a report to the nearby Air Force Base. Their report was noted, and a few days later, they were informed they had just probably mistaken the visible planet Jupiter, which sounds nothing like what they said they seen. However, their report was sent to Project Blue Book, the Air Force's top-secret UFO research project. Ten days after the mysterious night, Betty would begin to have vivid dreams, the most vivid and intense dreams she had ever had. For five nights in a row, she had nightmares that felt like memories of her and Barney being taken aboard an aircraft against their will and being forced to participate in strange examinations and experiments by the aliens aboard the ship. Betty wanted to talk about these dreams, but Barney didn't think anything of it, and later on he would go on to say that he believed that he didn't want to remember what happened that night because he took it a lot worse than she did. Regardless, Betty would go on to research a lot about UFOs and would pick up a book called The Flying Saucers Are Real, written by retired Marine Corps Major Donald Kehoe. Donald Kehoe was also the head of NICAP, a civilian UFO research group, 
Betty wrote the major a letter who then forwarded it to his NICAP colleague, Walter Webb. Webb would later call the couple to have a six-hour interview with them where they told him everything that happened that night and the strange things that happened afterwards. Webb went on to say basically that he believed that they were telling the truth. Later, during a church meeting, the Hills listened to a guest speaker, Captain Ben Sweat of the U.S. Air Force, who had brought up the use of hypnotism and psychiatry as one of his interests. The Hills approached him after to ask if he could assist them in using hypnosis to help them understand what they had forgotten in their missing time. He suggested they speak with a professional about it and encouraged them to inquire Barney's psychiatrist about the possibility of doing something like that. Barney's psychiatrist would go on to connect them to a man named Benjamin Simon, a hypnotherapist. Simon initially believed the couple thought that they did have a UFO encounter, but wanted to dig deeper with hypnosis to find out what really happened. Barney and Betty were both given multiple separate hypnotism sessions. Simon would get them to an extremely calming, sleep-like state where the subconscious takes over, allowing them to remember things that they might have been blocking out. After a multitude of rigorous sessions, the mystery of the night began to unravel, and the Hills learned what they believed to be the definitive truth of that night. Here are their stories. The results of Betty's sessions proved to be very similar to her dreams, save for a few small details. But what she said under hypnosis matches up more with Barney's testimony than what her dreams did. Essentially, Betty recalled both her and her husband being forced to walk through the forest at night by a group of extraterrestrials in military-type suits. She described them as around five foot tall with large heads, small noses, and a small slit for a mouth. This is what is known as a gray alien one of the many species that people have claimed to encounter, and probably the most notable. This incident really popularized the concept of the greys, and it's probably why you have that picture of them in your head today. She explained how her and Barney were forced onto this extremely advanced aircraft. They were separated into two different laboratories, where they each had a series of experiments performed on them, like in her dreams. She was with two different members of the greys, one she referred to as the leader, and the other who she referred to as the examiner. They had her lie down on a metal table where they took samples of skin, hair, and nails. They also used some kind of device to count her vertebrae, all the while they were communicating with her in English. Betty stated that they didn't speak it very well, and of course, it was nonverbal, potentially telepathic. They informed her that they were only doing this to learn how our anatomy differs from theirs, and that they weren't there to hurt her. Betty had actually said the examiner had a calm and sincere demeanor. They then took out what Betty called the largest needle she's ever seen and stick it into her belly button. And the examiner has a long needle in his hand. And I see the needle. And it, it's it's bigger than any needle I've ever seen. And he, I asked him what he's going to do with it. And he said, just a simple test to vote to me. And I asked him what. And he said he just wants to put it in my navel. It's just a simple test. And I don't know. It will hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he's a mother holder. 
tell her it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting, take it out. And, and, and then the leader, he goes over and he puts his hand, runs his hand in front of my eyes. And he says, I'll be all right. I won't feel it. Oh. And all the pain goes away. And when she cried out in pain, the leader waved his hand in front of her face and the pain completely disappeared. They explained to her that it was a pregnancy test. When they finished with her examination, the examiner left to prepare for Barney's turn. The leader remained with Betty and they actually had a nice talk and the leader told her that they were there for research purposes. The leader had even given Betty a book with strange symbols and information inside, like it was a souvenir. Betty had asked where they came from and the leader showed her a 3D hologram map of their star system. During her session, Simon suggested that she draw an image of the map from her memory. The map she would draw matches up very well with the selection of constellations in the Zeta Reticuli star system, which sits about 39 light years away from Earth, which Betty did not reportedly have a prior knowledge of. When Betty was reunited with Barney, an argument broke out amongst the Greys before they left, and the leader informed Betty that she would have to give back the book he had given her, and that the others didn't even want the couple to remember the events at all. They were led back to their car and told not to leave until they saw the craft leave first. Barney had a much more traumatic experience aboard the aircraft. He felt extreme fear the entire time, and due to that, he kept his eyes closed for most of it. What he did remember seeing was their eyes. He said that he hated their eyes and that it felt like they were pushing into his own. They're in my brain, he said. He wasn't aware of the word telepathy then, but that sounds exactly like what he's talking about. They placed some type of cup around his genitals and taken a sperm sample along with skin, hair, and nail samples. They also counted his vertebrae as well, and then a tube or cylinder was inserted into his butthole and quickly removed, aka the infamous anal probe. Oh my god, give me that. I gotta get away. Oh, oh, hey, right. I gotta get away, babe. Alright, calm down, calm down. I'm dying. I'm calm gonna down. get away. Oh. Oh. I think you'll be sure he was telling you this. Calm down, you're still asleep. Uh. How could you be sure he was telling you this? His eyes. His eyes. I've never seen his eyes before. But you said they were friendly. You said they were friendly. Hold on. After their time under hypnosis, and after finally having understood what and accepted what happened to them, they went back to their lives. They only spoke about it with their friends, family, and the occasional UFO researcher. They never actually went public with their story, it was leaked by a reporter, which I think takes out a lot of the argument that they were doing this for attention. And you also have to be mindful that they were an interracial couple at a time it wasn't popular to be one. 
So I could imagine that they would want to avoid any negative attention that they could. Betty's sister Janet's daughter actually went on to spend her life studying UFOs because of what happened to her aunt and uncle. So no, I don't think this was for attention. I'm like 98% sure that this really happened. I believe in aliens. I know that they're somewhere out there in the universe, and I would believe that most people agree with that. I think the question is whether or not they have been involved with Earth. Have they came to Earth? Did they help build the pyramids? Are they abducting people? I don't know. That's a harder question because they would have to be just so extremely advanced. But the galaxy is a big place and we aren't even able to see most of it. So who knows what's out there and what has been out there. This story is so damn believable. There is a lot more interesting info on this case that I wasn't able to include. But if you do want to learn more, it's out there. If you would like more content or to hear about future episodes, feel free to reach out to me on my TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram with username at the Dark Ives Cast. Don't forget to click follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and leave a review of my show. It helps grow the podcast and helps me connect with my listeners so I can continue to put out as much quality content as I can. Let me know what creepy things you'd like to hear covered, and if you have your own personal paranormal story, I'd love to hear that as well. That is all I have for you today, so until next time, cover your windows, lock your doors, and I'll see you on the other side. Ha 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 